Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. Everybody, welcome to the stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete, and we have the pack stack for you today. We got so dude. many comics. We joke that there was a lot of comics on stacks before this. This is a whole nother level of stack. This is serious. I, I got a timer going. We're gonna do 25 seconds per comic. 100 definitely no fat. On this show is what I like exactly. to say. Exactly. Well, let's stray. cut all the X Men book if you're cutting fat. Oh, come on. We uh, should, no, those well, are nice and lean. Those are very fun. Yeah, they're very. They're right in the right um, uh, length. We will not do any sort of uh, deviation. No mm-hmm. tangents. For no God's bits. Sakes. No bits. Oh, wow. Who's got time wow. for those? Nobody has time for bits. Speaking of bits, uh, have you guys ever tried Alpha Bits? Because that's uh, a good cereal. Surprisingly. Yes, and uh, it's uh, what I do is I start the day with alphabets, jump right into some alphabet soup uh, for lunch, and then I have um, uh, a, a dinner of my own choosing. Oh wow, that really <laughs> fell off there at the end. Oh man, you're on Alpha Watchers, right? That's right, hundred <laughs> percent. Let's talk about speaking of letters, specifically the letter A, and whether it stands for France or not. Let's talk about Captain America number twenty-five for Marvel by Todd Nahisi Coates and oh, Leonard wow. Kirk, back up by Anthony Falcone and Michael Cho. This is a big anniversary issue for Captain America, so I figured it was worth talking about. Uh, but this is right in the middle of a huge arc that they've been doing for this title for a while now, as Captain America is basically fighting against all of his villains, along with the Daughters of Liberty. Is that what the group is called? That is correct. Uh, And big things go down in this issue. Uh, I got to tell you, I like the main story. I thought it was fine as part of the continuing story, but I thought the backup was real good. That's when I was reading this, I was, uh, despite the fact that it is a, a number 25, um, the, f- the first story I was like, oh, this is pretty good. This is just Ta-Nehisi Coates, uh, as both this, uh, Captain America and Black Panther, is always writing sort of one uber story. And so each arc is the next piece yeah. in that. And I've been really enjoying um, uh, this, this story in Captain America. But the backup story, I was like, yes, this is the real, it's such a good just comment on what America is. It's Captain America talking, speaking at a funeral for uh, a guy he met in Red Hook um, at a diner. And it's su- it's just a great, it's like a speech. And it's I really got choked up during yeah, that, great. this. It was really great. Really well done. I well, was really impressed. And it really, the art is very good. It's very reminiscent of Darwin Cook in particular, I think, yes. uh, from Michael Cho. And the story spans the history of Captain America. So if you're looking for something anniversary-wise, again, the first story, very good. It's a good story. Tana Coates is a good writer. We know that. Leonard Kirk great writer. is a, a great artist as well. So there's good stuff going on there, uh, but the backup is definitely where it's at. Let's move to another one, Rorschach, number two, from DC Comics, written by Tom King, art by Ore Fornes. Um, I, I think it's fair to say we're two issues in, and I still don't know exactly what to expect 
personally from this title. I thought the story was fascinating, well laid out. The art is really good. I have no idea how any of this connects to anything yet, but I'm definitely on board for the ride. This felt almost like a standalone issue. Um, mm-hmm. which I think is mm-hmm. odd as a second issue. So um, it's a detective trying to track down this um, attempted assassination. And in this issue, it's the the characters that we think are sort of the, the, the Rorschach um, and the, are the main characters or the subjects, at least of this book, are just sort of uh, side characters in this. And it's about the mystery of a murder that happened in this building. And I don't know, I... I really liked it, but I agree with you, Alex. Like I was, I felt it was an odd place to put an issue like this. Uh, I, I disagree. I think this is a very interesting kind of like who done it. I'm really liking how this is kind of unfolding in a kind of classic uh, King's fashion, where we're getting a little bit each issue, a little bit trying to put together this bigger picture. Art's unbelievable. Uh, storytelling is really great. I really like the uh, kind of like voiceover stuff at the beginning and end. I, I think Rorschach is uh, one of my favorite characters. So this is very interesting to kind of like get this story and to kind of see how this is going to unfold. This is something that even while I'm reading it, I feel like my antenna is on wrong for it because I read it. And I try not to do this when I'm reading it because the story is good. The art is good. But I keep reading it as, okay, how does this connect to Watchmen? How does this connect to Watchmen, the TV series? How does this connect? Well, and it does. Tom King said on Twitter that it is in, quote unquote, the same universe. Because, of course, they're in the same universe. Uh, But it's not in the uh, Doomsday Clock universe, necessarily. It's taking place uh, in the same universe as the TV show. So I I feel like I'm focusing on that too much. Yeah, why are you making it harder on This is what I'm saying. I am owning the fact that I'm reading this incorrectly and it's something that I feel like I'm going to have to read through and then go back and read again to really read it the right way. Once it's a complete story personally, that's fair. And Alex, honestly, um, when it comes to antennas, you need to upgrade to a mental wirelessness. So you can (laughs) just not have to have Wi-Fi, bro. Get the Uh, Wi-Fi, dude. It keeps going down though. I don't know what's going on. Let's move on to another title. Sea of Sorrows, number one from IDW Publishing, written by Rich Dueck, uh, art and colors by Alex Cormack. Man, I loved this book. I thought this was so good. This is about a bunch of treasure hunters exploring a sunken sub. Uh, There is some weird stuff going on there. I don't think it's too much of a spoiler because it's on the cover or one of the covers, but there's a weird bunch of stuff going on there with potentially some mermaids. It flashes back in time to a previous time. There's potentially some mermaids. There's a high mermaid potential in this book. (laughs) Let me just say, no spoilers, but the the potentiality of mermaidness is high here. Yeah, it's definitely our mermaid antenna was like beep, beep, it was beep, beep, blazing. Beep, beep, beep. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say this is Splash Two, but there's definitely some mermaid sure. action. Sure, yes. most people would not, in fact, say this was Splash Two. Uh, but this, this is a really good like dark <laughs> horror crime fantasy stuff going on. We've had Rich Duick on our uh, live show before talking about previous book he's done, and I think he's just a really smart, precise writer. Um, I was very surprised how much I enjoyed this, both from the art and the writing perspective. 
yeah, yeah really, I think it's oh, a nice um, like sort of everyone's out to get everyone situation and then they encounter something horrifying. The art, I think, is really, really great. The undersea stuff is drawn so uh, with such darkness to it. And then the um, surprise of the potential mermaid that we've discussed. Um, and I don't want to some, say it's a mermaid. I'm just saying uh, it's a potential mermaid. It's a potential mermaid. It's, um, it's an uh, undersea maid, I guess we could say. I got... I think this does a great job as a first issue is setting up this fucked up world, putting all the kind of pieces in place to get you excited for the bigger story. Uh, I, I think this is a, a really solid first issue. I can't wait for more. I'm, I'm all in. It, yeah. It's very reminiscent in a way of the Hill House comics that came out of D.C., uh, just in terms mm. of seeming like a, a contained horror story, um, but I like it quite a bit. Definitely pick this one up. Next up, Marvel Indigenous Voices, number one from, of course, yeah. Marvel Comics by, here's a long list, uh, Jeffrey Verge, uh, Rebecca Rowanhorse, Darcy Little Badger, Stephen Graham Jones, Taboo and B. Earl, Wes Hoyt, uh, Alvitre, Kyle Charles, and David Cutler. As you can probably figure out from the title, this is a bunch of short stories uh, that focus on Marvel's indigenous characters. Uh, I thought this was a nice anthology, and I'd like to see more of this. What did you guys think? I agree. This was really cool, very creative. I like the way this kind of uh, uh, is set up with the Watcher in the beginning, just kind of like setting things up as like, we're going to get a bunch of stories here. Uh, yeah, I'm completely on board. I, I want more. I, I think this is a, a great idea, and I'm glad Marvel's doing this. I love, I think this is such a great variety of stories here. The first story uh, focuses on Echo, and great character from um, Daredevil back in the day. Oh, yeah. Uh, miss seeing more of Echo, like, um, and it's sort of a a straight up action adventure. Uh, she takes on the Badoon. Uh, Loki shows up. Then we get a, um, a Danny Moonstar, um, uh, Rain Sinclair uh, story, which is good. Very cl- classic X Men short. Then the last story is this uh, super interesting Silver Fox story that. It really fits into Wolverine history and is so dark and disturbing. Yeah. Uh, but it was great. Just really, that was my favorite of the three, and it really popped mm-hmm. for me that last yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think, you know, we talk a lot about how anthologies are hit and miss, uh, of course, because you're getting a lot of stories. Uh, but this is an issue that I think is well worth picking yeah. up based on the three stories in it. Before you move on real quick, um, there is uh, in the, the sort of back matter here, look for there's a, a, a note at the bottom. Look for an exhilarating new series from Taboo and B. Earl in 2021. Um, the Apache warrior uh, Kashala, the Sorcerer Supreme and the Ghost Rider of the mid-1800s, burns her way into the future and brings disaster with her. I read that and I was like, oh, shit, this Hell looks yeah. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I can't wait to check that out. Uh, good stuff. Uh, let's move on, though, to Barbalian, Red Planet, number one from Dark Horse Comics, script by Tate Bromball, story by Jeff Lemire and Tate Bromball, art by Gabriel Hernandez-Walta. This is continuing to flesh out the Black Hammer universe, which it is wild how many books are coming out of this and how exciting all of them are. Uh, but this one is focusing on the world's Martian Manhunter uh, amalgam. Um, the main thing that, frankly, uh, makes him different is he is gay. Uh, and here he is dealing with uh, a big situation on Mars where he's been sentenced to death. While back in time, he is discovering his sexuality at the height of the AIDS crisis in the 80s. Uh, this is 
great. Yeah. Uh, just yeah. another fantastic Black Hammer book. Yeah, I was really impressed with this. Uh, art is fantastic. A lot of heart. Great storytelling. Very kind of like interesting. I, I was really impressed by this. And there is like literally like an oh shit moment here uh, where you think maybe someone's going to die. I-, I was really impressed by this. Yeah, and I'm just the Black Hammer universe um, is so smart. Like the way it, and this is a little bit cheap to say, but it brings like an indie sensibility to the Justice League characters or Justice League analogs. I think is so great. But what it really does is flesh out these characters, make them more interesting, and take the the tropes of top tier heroes like that and make the ground them, give them like a context and a historical place and. It's just makes for rich storytelling. It's really good. Totally agree. Uh, it's just crazy that this is essentially a Martian Manhunter story, but with some tropes chained around, but it works completely. Uh, and it shouldn't work outside of Jeff Lemire writing it, uh, but it absolutely does. He's clearly guiding this whole universe. It feels like the best new superhero universe or new type of universe uh, that Dark Horse has done since uh, BPRD and Hellboy, and they're doing such a good job with it across the board. Yeah. Moving on uh, to another big new one, Commanders in Crisis number two from Image Comics, written by Steve Orlando, art by David uh, Tinto. As we found out in the first issue, Empathy is dead. And not only that, uh, but one superhero from a remaining universe has taken a bunch of presidents from a bunch of other universes, saved them, given them <laughs> superpowers, and brought them here. Uh, they're all working together as a team. There are so many insane Steve Orlando ideas that are all working at the same time. Yeah. We really like the first issue. How do you think it held up on second take? I think this is very cool. Uh, I love the ending. Yeah, I mean, this is Steve Orlando just having a lot of fun, kicking butt. This is very cool. Although there are a lot of ideas, you can still kind of follow what's happening. Uh, Art's great, ton of action, a lot of fun moments. Uh, Yeah, I've been really impressed with this book. He's taking big swings with this, and I've been impressed with it. Uh, Yeah, I mean, we just talked about... um... Uh, sort of taking coming at uh, Justice League style storytelling in a different way. And I think Steve Orlando here does it in an even different way. It's like fully idea and concept driven where you're getting into these multiversal uh, truths and uh, finding a way to have these heroes being heroes while at the same time, like combating an idea like, it's good. It feels uh, topical. It feels um, uh, like it's also has good superior action. Like I like it as well. And the second issue spent a little more time with the individual characters, which I thought was really nice uh, as we get to know them because they're all new. They're all fresh. They've all got different powers. So it's interesting stuff. Next up, The Amazing Spider-Man number 53 from Marvel, written by Nick Spencer, art by Mark Bagley. This is picking up on the cliffhanger of the last issue where Spider-Man died. Uh, He was killed by the character Kindred, who we know is Harry Osborn, uh, but Spider-Man doesn't know that. And this issue is coming around to the big surprise that Kindred is Harry Osborn. 
is the reveal at the end. Uh, yes. What What did you think about this? Because I've been very on board with this storyline, but felt a little mixed about this issue personally. Well, what I really liked about this issue was uh, in the past issues, there's been so much happening at once. It seemed like a little bit of overload. I, I liked how this slowed down a little bit to kind of deliver who this is. And the gotcha kind of moment at the end was cool. I thought it was earned. Um, and I I was kind of, I've been a little kind of like, ah, I haven't been enjoying myself on this book. But at least I, I enjoyed the pacing a lot more on this and kind of, uh, kind of felt like, okay, we're now all on the same uh, page. We can kind of move back to crazy town with Nick Spencer for this, what's going to happen next. As always, I agree with Pete completely with nine caveats. Yeah. Um, because I agree with you. I think this issue was paced really nicely, and Mark Bagley's aren't. I feel like I first came to reading Spider-Man comics when Mark Bagley was drawing um, Spider-Man and Peter Parker. And so seeing him, like I'm like, yes, this is I, – I really like this. I recognize this. If we hadn't known that Harry Osborn was underneath the bandages – this would have been a great reveal. Yeah. But the fact that we know it meant this was weird. It felt yeah. like, is this, and now it makes me be like, is this the reveal? It's got to be. We, we were doubting it before. We were doubting it before, but now it feels like, it feels like it is, but it also feels like, why do it twice? Right. Why reveal that in advance? Twice is it's nice. such a strange choice. It completely undercut that last page for me when he looks and says, gotcha. Because it's not a gotcha, because we already knew that. Yeah, but Spider-Man, Spider-Man doesn't know that. it's a gotcha. It was for it's a go- No, but he did. He's like, no, you can't be Harry Osborn. And then he takes off his mask and says, gotcha, but it's not. It's also another in a long line of Marvel masks that were definitely not masks until they took them off. Right. Like Kindred, Taskmaster. It's like, come on, you're not wearing masks. But maybe there's you got a skull another face. mask under that where it's going to be the next issue. He's like, got you. I'm Uncle yeah. Ben. I'm oh, Peter Parker. You should eat my yes. rice. <sighs> yes, that's what I meant. Is the Uncle Ben um, from the of rice uh, brand? Of course. Very controversial lately, as they've taken that mascot off. But thank you, Pete, for bringing that up. <laughs> Anytime. I like to make it weird. <laughs> we're at the end of the day, we're journalists, and that's a Stop big saying that. reveal. Uh, cool. Uh, Dark Knight's Death Metal number five from DC Comics, yeah. written by Scott Snyder and art by Greg Capullo in this issue. Uh, I don't know. A lot of stuff goes yeah, on. It does. <laughs> yes, that I mean, is I'll tell you, in the middle of everything, while this is like Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo at their wildest, really channeling the Justice League run, where it's like, we've got to use this nth metal to fight back against the dark multiverse and take the positive anti-crisis matter, you know, just all of this insane thing, all of this insane mythology that they're putting in there. But my main takeaway is it has the single funniest penguin paddle I have ever seen in the history of comics. That's 100% fair. So good. There's Everybody is lined up. Everybody's ready to fight the Dark Multiverse. And they the have all, all the villains. And they have all the heavy hitters there. Everybody's ready. And it feels to be like Greg Capullo draw the, drew the penguin in there. And then Scott Snyder drew, wrote a line for later because the line is, I have a sharp rock. <laughs> yes. Which, uh, to be fair, he says, I have a very sharp rock. Yeah, so I have a very pretty sharp menacing. rock, which made me laugh out loud. So uh, I now I really enjoyed the army of Lobos. Uh, yeah, this is just fun. And a touching, 
touching moment between Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman here. Um, yeah, I think it's just, I've said this before, I'm going to say it again. It continues to be a lot of fun and really over the top and all meddled out. And why not? Why not have a little fun? Uh, yeah, I agree. It is fun. It's well, like they fight Castle Bat. Yeah. Uh, they lose lose to a giant Gotham City, basically, which was cool. Um, and really finally proving that Gotham City really is a character in this Finally comic. proving it. Um, mm-hmm. Now, here's my question for you. Um, Lex Luthor in this issue sure. sort of comes through and rescues our heroes and is sort of the – uh, the the person who ha- comes together with the plan at the end here is he fully doing this for good or is he going to betray them? In Man, a I I don't know. The way Greg Capullo draws him, he seems pretty earnest, but it would not be true to Lex Luthor if he didn't have a plan on top of a plan. You know, that's what I'm saying. So like, uh, I'm here, and the way we sort of quickly move past the fact that it's Lex Luthor who yep. is. Um, the architect of their plan um, makes me think that he will eventually um, become the true villain at the end of this. Once the Batman who laughs, despite the near infinite power he has is defeated. Um, But I love the getting all the heroes together. It feels like they're finally coming together to, to do their, their business. (laughs) Take care of business. I'm glad they finally got down to business. I agree. Well, it does feel that way. They've been fucking around too much. Yes, they have. Uh, This is great. Uh, Like Pete said, every issue of this is just a blast to read because it's so purposely dumb and fun and over the top. Every single choice. Like, does it make sense that Lobo could create an infinite army of Lobos out of his own blood? Eh, Probably not. I hope they never follow up on that in any way. But it's fun to see. Sure. So one of, do you think one of them is actually Wolverine? Stop. <laughs> what just do you mean? Stop, stop with that. Uh, just old a normal bit question. That you do every time we talk about Lobo. Like eventually, one of them is like, "Hey guys, have you guys looked at us? I feel like we're just a Wolverine <laughs> <Nope>. in space." <laughs> That's just anybody so else dumb. think that? That's just so dumb. <laughs> is anybody else? Any, hey, Lobos, let's have a little Lobo huddle. Anybody else think we're Wolverine in space? Wolverine doesn't talk to about himself in the third person and have like a whole different language. It's not Wolverine's constantly talking about himself. In no, the third he's person. not. Um, yeah, and if you can point out any a number, a couple other differences between Wolverine and Lobo, I'd love to hear. <laughs> Let's move on and talk about Seven to Eternity, number fourteen from uh, Image yeah. Comics, written by Rick Remender and drawn by Jerome Opeña. So excited this title is back! Uh, this takes place in a fantasy world where a dude who is dying has teamed up with the big villain who basically destroyed his world and is now tracking down Eternal Life. This issue, we get a very classic Rick Remender skewering of like Disney World and uh, Disneyland and things like that as they get to the place where eternal life is granted. As usual with the Rick Remender book, things get real dark real quick. Um, But it's really Jerome Opeña's character designs that carry this book in how wild and how creative they are throughout the I would like to say uh, you got to pick this up for the art alone. It's worth it. Nice. Great, great quote uh, from quoting yourself, Pete LePage. Um, yeah, I mean, to that point, the I am the asker section oh. from the back back half of the book is really cool. But, I mean, Rick Remender talks about this a little bit in the uh, the back matter on this book. He's like, hey, we took a real long time to get this done. But I think his focus on quality of his comic book work 
is amazing. He made a choice years ago now to stop doing uh, Marvel and DC work and focus on all of his creator-owned books. And he takes so much care with every issue to make them, in his mind, perfect. And he does such a good job of just making high-quality comics that really... Everything, everything is super unique, super creative, from the writing to the art to the character design all the way through. It's dark, like all of his work. It definitely has his point of view, but it comes at you in such a different way. I had to read this twice just because I didn't want to miss anything in the panels. I mean, it is, there's, it's just so detailed and so amazing. You can read this comic, and then you can kind of just page through it and be amazed at the paneling. It's great stuff. Let's move on and talk about Venom number 30 from Marvel, written by Dottie Cates and art by Luke Ross. This is the final issue of Venom before the big King in Black crossover kicks off. Uh, This is the Venom end of the Venom Beyond storyline as they're in an alternate universe where Venom's son has gone bad, become a a bad guy called the Codex. Uh, Lots of Venom, lots of symbiote stuff happening here. Um, What do you think about this, both as a issue and as a lead in to this big event? Well, I'll go ahead. It's as it's wild. It is like, the way that Donny Cates has taken, um, like, a sort of one-off, at least at the beginning, Spider-Man villain. And now this is so far from being related to Spider-Man. Um, it's such a, like, expanded mythology where you've got uh, Eddie Brock and his son uh, going into this different dimension, meeting um, his uh, ex, uh, who is has a, the son from this multiverse. They all have their own symbiotes. They all, all the different symbiotes have different languages and controlling which ones are which and all that all building toward you get a Reed Richards who has googly eyes. He's got googly eyes. Yeah, he does. He has them pasted on. Yeah. Is it, what's the deal with this guy? He's got googly eyes. He's a little bit. He's not as smart. He's got googly eyes. What, you know, he can move and he's very flexible and bendy and uh, you we were just going to have googly eyes every once in a while. Why is that weird? No, I think he's just a little off. He's a little like he's lost a little bit here. And you can tell that because of the Google. Okay, I'm just. And it, the Google in his eyes. <laughs> yeah. Um, you can Google his eyes. But then it, you can Google his eyes. And then setting up uh, setting up this next thing, it comes out of nowhere and it's fine. Uh, yeah, I, I uh, agree with Justin. I have a lot of caveats. Uh, I think that it is fun. It's really fun. Uh, the art and the character designs are a lot of fun. There's some great action sequences where you're like, this is really badass. But also what I really like about it is the heart. There's a lot of heart in this book, which I really appreciate. Uh, if you're going to kind of go into all this action, it's nice to know what the thoughts and the feelings are before all this goes down. Um, I'm excited to kind of see this next big arc. I like where this kind of left off. I feel like Donny Case did a good job of kind of like wrapping this up and getting it ready for the the next thing. Uh, I think this was a really good issue. I agree. Uh, let's move on to a gimme for Pete. Yusagi Yojimbo, number 14 yeah. from ITW Publishing, written art and letters by Stan Sakai. In this issue, our bunny warrior does some bunny warrior stuff. Pete, take it away. Okay, first off, Zalbin, I resent the bunny warrior bullshit, okay? 
Don't try to make uh, you know make him more cutesy. Uh, this is an action-oriented book about a serious Ronin samurai who travels mm. the land and helping people. So don't put that fucking bunny shit on there. All right. Okay, so would you call him a whittle whittle oh, rabbit <laughs> samurai? <laughs> would you call him an a adorable squish boy girl? Uh, no, I don't. Uh, did you just turn into your son for a second? Uh, I like this. Right. Uh, I love all the characters. Don't you slam my oh, son I'll on slam an entirely separate son. podcast? All right, I'll slam him. <laughs> all right, he needs to get some fucking musical talent. Is what he needs to do. <laughs> Jesus all right? Christ! Wow, unnecessary. Don't ask for Pete, the heat get, if you don't get, want it. Don't ask for the peat heat if you don't want it. Anyway, get back to reviewing your peep samurai okay, book. So, hey, uh, can you uh, can you name three comic book writers who are female to your girlfriend, Pete? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, no, and that's this why we had to do it on the show. All right, this is unnecessary. <laughs> uh, but I never get tired of this. These are all very similar stories about a traveling Ronin. But what I just I I love. His heart of gold and how he always is doing the right thing. This is just, in a fucked up world, it's nice to have staples like this book that you can always depend on. You always know Usagi is going to do the right thing. He's going to try to save the day. Uh, and it's just it's just fantastic. I, I love all these stories. I love all the action, even though that people are getting like cut and stabbed. They don't really show the blood and guts. They focus more on the kind of uh, uh, the action, um, the, the what happens than the blood and the gore. Uh, yeah, I just think it's uh, really cool. And this one, we kind of got see a, a lot of focus on family, which is nice uh, and uh, also poignant and sad. But, uh, I, you know, I liked the old black and white version. I know people like color for some reason. Uh, but uh, if this sells more comics and gets it in more hands, then I'm all for it. Peter, are you threatened? Do you think that the even smaller, cuter rabbit warrior with a bow and arrow is going to be a threat to um, Usagi? Well, hopefully, you'll, the, the cute, the older Usagi sword, will have sword somebody to hand over his swords to. You know what I mean? To, to continue the story. He does seem to love his swords. Just which one of these is the Easter Bunny? I fucking hate you. <laughs> uh, very fun book. Yes, uh, delightful. Uh, I would love to see this fluffy wuffy eat some carrots. Oh my god! Cute. You're a uh, dude. Batman number one hundred three from DC Comics, written by James Tyler the Fourth, art by Carlo Abuculian and Danny Mickey and Gillam March. In this issue, Ghostmaker. He's having it in for Batman. Ghostmaker is a old frenemy of Batman's from yeah. back in the day. They both uh, <laughs> trained the exact same way, constantly fought throughout history, and now has come to Gotham City to make things right because he thinks Batman is doing a bad job. In this issue, he is trying to kill Clown Hunter, who is trying to kill Harley Quinn, so things get really messed up. Um, I I really like this. I think this is, uh, again, just a really good story from James Tynan. Uh, he clearly likes Harley Quinn a lot yeah. in particular, and I love having her in here. He writes a really good Harley Quinn. Um, it's good stuff. He's he's building his own Batman mythology rather than just picking up on what got left off on whatever happened with Tom King's run. Um, and uh, that's great. I'm excited to see what's going yeah, forward. Yeah, what's nice is he does a good job of kind of like giving us a little bit of Batman's past with some humor. Like the fact that we see Batman in the desert and Ghostmaker rolls up on him and he's like, not tonight, man. Like they're kind of back and forth 
the way that Ghostmaker and Batman kind of kind of go back and forth, their repartee is very enjoyable. I really like it. Um, yeah, and uh, seeing Poison Ivy, uh, or not Poison Ivy, seeing Harley Quinn talking to Poison Ivy made my skin crawl because um, uh, she's like kissing the plant, and I'm highly allergic. But um, I think that uh, I liked the kind of like outer monologue of it. It felt very Harley Quinn. I think they do a great job of capturing her voice, and I like their characterization of her. Um, also, this clown hunter thing is very interesting, the way that this is still sticking around. I'm kind of very curious about what the end game of this character. I'm not sick of clown hunter. I'm just kind of wondering what the bigger game is. Um yeah, I I re- also liked how this uh, Ghostmaker is more of a psychopath than Batman, and thinks that the reason Batman is doing a bad job with Gotham is because he cares too much, which is an interesting psychopathic thing that, to say, and I can relate to it. Uh, lots of information there. Um, Really love uh, Guillaume March's art here yep. in the back half of the book. Um, I agree with you, Alex. Harley is uh, really, uh, really well used here. Um, Ghostmaker reminds me a lot of um, Osriel taking over for Batman mm-hmm. after Bane broke his back. Um, and so I'm curious what sort of hole this character will fill down the down the line. Because um, as of now, I think Clown Hunter really stands out a little bit more as the uh, unique James creation. Um, so I'm curious to see how that unfolds. I agree. Uh, let's move on and talk about Black Magic number 16 from Image Comics, written by Greg Rucka and Nicola Scott. Uh, this is the last issue of Black Magic, I believe, for a little while now. Uh, but yeah. it ends on a big... Uh, cliffhanger isn't exactly the right word, uh, but our main character is presented with an impossible choice. Is she going to save one of the two people in her life that she truly loves? Spoiler, she ends up saving both of them, which is actually a very bad decision in terms of things that are going forward. Um, there's The thing that is fascinating to me about this book is, relatively speaking, so little happens in every issue, but it has yeah. such import it feels weighty anyway. Yeah, um, I agree. And the art is just beautiful. Yeah. The The way that the the villain's eyes are drawn is really haunting. And it's just a, such a simple thing, um, giving each of the sort of demon characters this uh, yellow, yellow-black uh, energy to them. Really great. And yeah, in the, in the back matter, we see that um, the next issue of Black Magic won't be until some, late summer 2021. Yeah, that's tough. That's a long time to wait. But I, I really like the characterization of like, it's not something that you've seen before where it's like, I'm a cop, but I also do magic. The kind of back and forth that we kind of learn about this character and what she kind of like stands for. Uh, and with her background and how she kind of goes about her day is very interesting. And I kind of like the dilemma and the choices that she makes kind of shows how much she cares. So I think this is a very interesting book. I've been really enjoying it. And I agree with Justin. The art is phenomenal. They pay a lot of attention to details to make things extra spooky. And w- when you're reading something and you're kind of like scared, it, it really uh, uh, says a lot about the art and how well they can kind of draw you into the story. 
When you say that thing where I'm a cop, but I can do magic that we've seen before, where have you seen that before, Pete? Well, there, <laughs> there's just been many stories where somebody's struggling with their kind of day job and their identity, which they would rather mm. be doing. Like, I'm this, but I'm also that. I'm Bruce Wayne, but I'm also Batman. I'm, you know, th- you know yeah. the secret kind of identity thing is what I was going at. Sure, no need to go beyond Bruce Wayne and Batman, the most yeah. relatable of situations. I get what you're talking about. Juggernaut number three from Marvel <laughs> Comics, written by Fabian Don't Desuiza, ask me a question if Ru- you're not going to like my fucking response, dick. <laughs> yeah, it all comes R- back to Batman. Uh, written by Fabian Desuiza, art by Ron Garney. Uh, we were very complimentary of this title for the first two issues and had uh, Fabian on the show to talk about the it, to so check out the live show with him. Um, we get some big answers here. What happened to Juggernaut? How to get his new costume? What's going on with him? Um, I love this take on Juggernaut. This is nothing I would have ever expected or asked for, but I think it's so smart and so well done. And of course, Ron Garney's art is impeccable throughout this. Yeah. Uh, Great title. Just a blast to read. Yeah, I agree. Ron Garney is such a great artist. I wish he was doing more books on a regular basis. And yeah, it's such a unique story that really both explores the backstory of Juggernaut and also drives it forward at the same time, which is hard to do, and then just tells a fun action uh, adventure um, going on in the present. Yeah, I also like how they were also kind of making fun of the fact in the book that he's fighting sand. They're, like, making fun of itself as it's going on. Uh, Yeah, I've been really surprised. Every time I go to the beach, I feel like I'm fighting oh, sand. Oh, man, I tell you. Even, even when you're done going to the beach, you're still fighting sand. Finding it all I'm over f- the place. fighting sand. Sand. Um, sand. But I I just, I, it, this is such a great surprise, this book, as Alex was saying. And also, just like, the art is so badass. Ron Garney is such a badass. Like, we've seen Juggernaut uh, in a lot of different ways, but they'll like see him kind of like power up with his suit with all the red. Uh, it was just so cool. Um, yeah. I've never been more impressed with Juggernaut. You can't stop this guy. You can't. Yeah. It's fun to see him do the Superman thing, opening up his yeah. shirt and then turning on his costume. It's just a fun riff that I'm really enjoying. Let's move on to talk about You Look Like Death, Tales from the Umbrella Academy, number three, Dark Horse Comics, story by Gerard Way and Sean Simon, art and colors by I.N.J. Colbert. As you can probably guess from the title, this is focusing on Klaus from the Umbrella Academy, his adventures in Hollywood. He's gotten mixed up with a bunch of shady characters, including a vampire monkey and some other folks. Pete, you have a question right off. Yeah, I just on. wanted to kind of ask Justin something because he's a classically trained actor. Oh. When you go on yes. auditions and, uh, you know, when you're being a line producer, you have to see this a lot, right? A lot of, like, uh, people channeling demons and kind of stuff like that. That's got to be like, it's a nightmare for Hollywood to kind of comb through all of this all the time, right? There's a famous um, actor manual called An Actor Prepares by uh, Uta Hagen, I believe. And a lot of the technique focuses on channeling a demon into your body before you step out onto that audition, um, into the audition room or onto the uh, uh, audition stage. And so it's really great to see this played out in person. And, of course, P, always a grasp of my uh, career and personal life that I'm often auditioning to be a line producer. Uh, this is a fun book. Uh, one of the things that I really like about it in particular is the push and pull between Klaus 
doesn't care about anything, just wants to get high, just wants to get drunk, and actually being forced into situations where he is going to have to cause something to happen. Um, And it's just this enjoyable push and pull as the action coalesces and spirals around him, getting him to a point where he's going to have to do something eventually, but he's not quite there yet. Right now, he's just eating relish out of a jar and having a good time. Yeah, this relish is good. It just slides right down. The, the art <laughs> in this is just fantastic. They do an amazing job, and uh, this is a really fun story and worth ch- checking out for sure. I Next. love the little section um, where the this writer who died but hasn't moved on is sort of reckoning with his life. Mm-hmm. is really fun, and it's just a little side bit of the yeah. story. It's good stuff. Uh, Stillwater number three from Image Comics, written by Chip Zdarsky, art by Ramon K. Perez. This title focuses on a small town where nobody ever dies. They can get hurt. They have to recover from that, but they never die. Uh, and there's a man who has found out that he was actually the son of one of the women from that town. He is now trapped there. Uh, His mother is buried near the gazebo in the center of the town, uh, and he's trying to figure out a way out as he slowly works himself in the way of the society. Um, This is really good and doing a good job of slowly building up the mythology of this book. I like this issue in particular just because it sets up the dangers going forward, but also explains a little bit more about the, how the concept works. Um, just smart writing across the board, I think. Yeah, I, I this is my favorite issue so far. Like, I really kind of, in this issue, they do a good job of, like, really kind of uh, spelling out everything that we've kind of learned as we kind of move forward. Uh, I, yeah, I'm really impressed with the artwork. This is a cool idea. And, uh, you know, it's one of the reasons a lot of people are scared of small towns. Yeah, most people are scared of small towns because they'll have to live forever there yeah. and never get yeah. sick. Um, I, yeah, I think this, this issue really sets the level for what the series will be, I think, in a good way. And Ramon Perez's art is so good. Uh, let's move on and talk about The Immortal Hulk, number 40 from Marvel, written by Al Ewing and art by Joe Bennett. After spending the last couple of issues with the leader fighting the Hulk inside of his own head, potentially inside of hell, potentially a lot of stuff going on that was absolutely horrifying to witness, we finally move outside there and things really move forward as Alpha Flight finds out what's going on. Uh, they figure out what's happening to the leader, thanks to... Um, it's uh oh my gosh, what's his name? Who in, I have it's the body of Walter Langowski. Uh, Sasquatch, Joe, uh, fix it. Who are you talking about? Abomination. Uh, no, no, no. The uh, strong guy. Uh, not Samson. Sa- oh, Doc Samson. Doc Samson. Yes. Doc Samson. Uh, who inhabits the body of Sasquatch yeah. uh, and uh, fills them in on everything that's going Sasquatch. on. In the meantime, Joe Fixit makes some moves of his own. There's still plenty of gross stuff that happens in the sure comic. Is. Um, but I love how much we're moving forward here. And that last page, not just in terms of the writing, but also in terms of the way Joe Bennett draws it, is perfection. Yeah, it's really good. And I'm I'm sort of bummed because I had a long-standing pitch at Marvel where I was like I wanted the Hulk to give birth to a mustachioed version of himself and <laughs> they did it, they did it in this issue. So oh, I guess man. that's why you never the, said the back yes. to the drawing board. <laughs> yeah, Salvin, I couldn't agree more. That last uh, panel was just such a classic comic last panel that gets you really excited. Uh, uh I this is Horrifying and amazing and all sorts of everything in between. 
the this ride has been fantastic. When this thing is finally collected, this is going to be one of those ones that stands the test of time. It's really impressive. I wanted to ask you, Pete, because you were really against this for a while. You kept asking for your Hulk to come back. You wanted your Hulk back. What turned you? Because you now seem 100% fully on board with this. Well, you were like, I want my Hulk back. No, I still feel that way, guys. I still want my Hulk back. But this is an interesting timeout take on a a character that's been around for a while. It's a very fresh, very new take on it. So you got to respect something that's great. But yeah, I can't wait for my Hulk to come back and I can enjoy Hulk books more. This is a scarier version of something that I love. And it's a little a little bit over my head and a little too smart. But uh, I respect the mm-hmm. fact of what it's doing, you know. Right. It's like ginger beer instead of ginger ale. Right. Right. Wow. Yeah. But why would you? I don't. Sure. Ooh, this is like, ooh, this is too spicy on my tongue. No thanks. Give me some uh, Schweppes, please. It's hard to feel where you're landing in here, Alex. Yeah. Are you landing on ginger ale? Because I think you're positioning yourself as a ginger beer. Uh, no, I love ginger beer. I'm just talking about from Pete's perspective. He's more, he wants ginger ale, He, but he's getting the, ginger beer. Here, I think this is your mistake. He wants Mountain Dew. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I don't true. know what all this ginger ale You know, ale Mountain Dew came out um, with a cookbook. Glorious. Yeah, you've you've mentioned to it, it to the us a lot, and uh, I look forward to your potluck dish that you'll be providing um, to our next meetup. Um, what do you think next issue when the Hulk just totally murders the thing? Oh man, that's going to be crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah, that'll be fun when he just rips the bricks off of uh, him until he's a pulsating. I don't, I don't mass know of because uh, you know Joe Fix it doesn't look like he's in good shape. I don't know if he can take on the thing. He's going to rip the bricks off. Alex said it. We'll see what happens. Next up, Big Girls, number four from Image Comics Story and Art by Jason Howard. Uh, This is a book about a world where girls are gigantic and boys are monsters, a.k.a. the real world. world. (laughs) world Right here. Sorry. Uh, Wait, what? What are you sorry (laughs) Sorry about? Sorry for all the damage that dudes has done to this world. Uh, thank you I for apologizing you. for uh, millennia of misogyny. I appreciate yep. it, Pete. I think uh, your statement here on our comic book podcast uh, solved everything. Oh, thanks, man. Do what you can, you know? <laughs> this book uh, keeps moving forward. I like the story. The girls just keep getting bigger. Yeah, that's what I love about uh, big girls, man. They keep oh, getting bigger, don't. and I keep staying oh, the same wow. size. Wow. That's, that's <laughs> all right, all right, all right. No, but... This we're kind of slowly getting uh, more and more of like what this mutation is and kind of like how they're going to stop it and a little bit more about this uh, kind of evil mastermind behind this. I think Jason Howard is doing a good job of like giving us just a little bit more information each issue surrounded by a ton of action. Uh, I, I appreciate the storytelling. I think this is a classically great image book. Uh, next up, I know this is one that, Justin, you were super excited about. Widowmakers, number one, story yes. by Devin Grayson, pencils and inks by Michelle Bandini. This is clearly setting up the Black Widow movie that'll come out at some point. Maybe. We'll see what happens. But you got Yelena Belova uh, teaming up with Red Guardian. Justin, why did you like this book so much? Yeah, Justin. Uh, the, 
It's, um, I mean, it What's has... What's your fucking problem? I've got a big problem with how uh, great this book is, because this book has no business being this good. It's a standalone issue featuring characters that, that people aren't crazy in love for. Well, I mean, I mean that as a compliment. It's such a... Uh, we follow mostly uh, Yelena Belova, former uh, Black Widow, who was technically a villain in um, a Black Widow uh, arc, and she's been on her own. And what's great about it, it's, it's her being contracted by this rich dick to go um uh do something for him and it ends up going uh wrong and she's just meant to test these facilities and then be murdered by these people and it's a great action book throughout the whole the whole issue but the internal monologue going on in elena's head is so good about her life her place in the world russia's place in the world what it means to be a citizen of the world and from a nation and uh, freedom. Like it's just, there's just so many great ideas here, but it really tracks with this character. It puts you um, really in her point of view. And then she meets red guardian um, uh, later on in the issue. And he has a very different point of view. And we get to sort of just take that in without having them jam some sort of uh, idea down our throats. And I just thought it was one of the smartest issues I've read in a long time. I really this is my favorite book of the week. I really love. Yeah, it. it is really great. The art is fantastic, and uh, also it was. This is kind of like the best versions of these uh, characters that I've seen, um, and uh, it, yeah, it was really impressive to kind of see uh, what a when somebody takes and has a great idea for some characters, what they can do. And I love it at the end. She like the idea of how she gets the villain in the end. I thought was. Truly oh, yeah, that smart. was glorious. This is great. Awesome. Uh, and just to mention, it seems like they're teeing up that this ties into the Black Widow series that is currently running, which is great as well from Kelly Thompson. So definitely check that out. Let's move on to Ice Cream oh, Man yeah. number 21 from Image Comics, written by W. Maskwell Prince, art by Martine Morazzo. I got to tell you what, uh, coming into this book, I was like, oh, OK, I get it. They're doing their uh, noir riff. That's not what it was at all. This is no. straight up a Watchmen riff that they are doing yes. this issue, which was so surprising and so shocking and as dark and oh messed up God. as you would expect from Ice Cream Man. Uh, what do you think about this issue? When I looked at the cover, I was like, oh, that's a funny cover idea, like a Watchmen take, Ice Cream Man. And I was like, oh, shit, that's the whole thing. Um, which I was really surprised by. And then um, the way it ends is um, because it plays like sort of a slight spoiler, like the very rare, like more positive ending for uh, any sort of character in Ice Cream Man. And I thought that is a interesting subversion of what Watchmen is. But it left me thinking, like, ah, I need to read this a couple more times and really get into what's happening here because it's so good, but I'm almost being fooled by the positive ending, I feel like. Yeah, 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 because the Ice Cream Man is, has been so dark and horrifying throughout. This issue was just me going, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, like – I was like, why is this so familiar? And then slowly getting it, and it was like the coloring and the panels. I'm like, oh, I know why this is so familiar. And then the 
uh, upside down frowny face was just the kind of a, a nail that kind of put in the coffin where I was like, this is amazing. And I immediately went back, like Justin said, and reread it to be like, oh, how did I not get this earlier? But um, I, it, every issue, I, I'm like so nervous before I read it because I'm like, I don't know if it can keep going at such a high level of creativity and constantly amazing me and kind of torturing my mind with what is happening. We still really don't know what's going on with Ice Cream Man. And every issue we find out a little bit more, but it, it's just still such a crazy interesting book that is I cannot wait for it to finish so I can go back and reread it all again and enjoy it all again because it's just really impressive well this feels like uh, they did a similar sort of thing with all-star Superman a couple of issues back and this is uh, like we had W. Maxwell Prince on our live we show sure and he did. talked about how it's not necessarily a connecting story maybe there's a ice cream man multiverse this feels like one of those tales out in the multiverse that riffs on or reverberates off of what's going on Ice Cream Man, because I read most of it thinking, okay, we're getting some real answers in terms of mythology here. Mm -hmm. That's not what happens at all, necessarily. No. It's more just like there are echoes of what's going on in the book, usually. But it's still, uh, Martin Moraz's art is so gorgeous and so well laid out. The Watchmen are fun. It's weird to do like a positive Watchmen to your point, Justin. But I yeah. kind of think if you're going to do anything that ends happy that you're parodying, sure, do it Watchmen. Have a happy ending for Watchmen. Why not? Well, and the ultimate way to subvert Watchmen is to have the Rorschach character go live a happy yeah. life and make his <laughs> world better. And that's what I think the point is, is like, hey, let's just take small steps to make our lives better. That's why I think the last page with the end is um, uh, near mm -hmm. with nigh crossed yeah. out on the, the dude's sign. I think it's like, Hey, it'd be a little easier if we just had it be near. Right? <laughs> and, and he does. And so it's like, let's all make small steps to have a better life, which uh, that would solve Watchmen as well. Like they have to, the all Watchmen's all about tricking humanity to be nicer to each other by creating a squid that is uh, threatening the planet. And it's like, okay, now you don't have to kill each other because there's another enemy. And this, this book is maybe saying, no, you, you could, we could also just be nicer to each other on a day-to-day -day basis. And I think that's a very cool idea. And if that's what the intention was, this is very Yeah, good. I also like the idea of, like, instead of having a character go down a dark path and be like, oh, I'm too wrapped up in this, having the character stop and realize, like, I need to be a better partner. It's, it's doable. Yeah. It's if I put some time and energy into this, I could save this fucking thing. I can turn it around. And uh it was really great in the midst of all this craziness of this kind of ice cream man world. It was it was very surprising and cool. Uh last thing to talk about, we're going to move on to our X of Swords block which Pete is uh, very into and very excited about. Uh we are tomorrow. 
Hold That's on, what we do it at the on, end. We do it at the on. end because uh, you log yeah, off. Yeah, we save it right for the end here. Uh, but this is the second to last week of X of Swords. We're going to be wrapping it up all next week. Okay, calm down, buddy. Uh, but we got X-Force number 14, written by Benjamin Percy and Jerry Dugan, art by Joshua Kassara. Hellions number six, written by Zeb Wells and art by Carmen Carnero. Cable number six, written by Jerry Dugan and Phil Noto. And here we are very much into the tournament of Arako versus Krakoa. And they are fighting battles. Often not with swords, but with no. other means throughout Eating this. Uh, we get a bunch of them kind of fleshed out. Uh, some of them happen shorter than others. But by the end of it, we move on to the main event. Spoiler is you could have predicted this, and they even call out that you could predict it. It's Apocalypse versus Annihilation. Azarako and Krakoa are tied. That's what this has been leading all up towards. Pete. I know you're against this. I know you're not loving this. Justin, let's go to you first. Uh, what do you think about these issues? Uh, well, it's funny. To to Pete's point of being frustrated by it, it's this. there is a little bit of a, a trick here with this, uh, this whole um, event where they set it up to be this epic sort of Age of Apocalypse-style crossover when what it really is is like X-Men playing baseball on a grand event scale. Like it's them. There's it's very playful. It's very yeah. like light and fun. And despite the fact that the X Men are losing, um, which is I think stressful in general. Yeah, it but it's it's these like fun, lighthearted events punctuated by like horrible murder. Um, this the the back half of the X Force issue where we see that Storm the the stuff the that Storm um, fight is glorious. This the the drink that Storm and Wolverine were drinking. Um, the Blight Swill. Is actually a, a pretty strong poison, like a soul poisoning, and then Storm still like beats her dude, and then let, lets him get slaughtered. Like that was bad. Yeah, it was. Um, well, and the Hellions issue takes a little bit of a side trip. Uh, early in the event, we found out that Mister Sinister was leading his team to try to get the swords for Rocco before they could use them. Turns out, as usual, Mister Sinister is being an evil fuck, and he surprise <laughs> uh, tricked his entire team in order to get genetic information from the mutants of Arako. That's all he wanted to do. His entire team dies in absolutely horrible ways. Um, it's a little unclear which one of them are going to come back or not, because if you die in other worlds, uh, your personality dies, but you might be pulled from another personality. So we might be getting some. New riffs on a bunch of these characters. Um, well, I feel like I, we got ha- Havoc and um, and Quanin survive, and that right. may be it. Yeah, I uh, think Empath also makes it through, right? Like he gets yeah. stabbed, but he crawls his way through, so maybe he's coming back. Yeah, um, but that's super dark. Uh, the rest of it is kind of like like both of you guys are saying. There's a point to the fact that it's kind of frustrating that they're never getting to the sword fights. You're watching it and you're reading it and you're like, they're doing a puzzle fight? That's insane. Yeah. It is insane yeah. that Iliada is doing puzzles right now yeah. to try to beat these people. But I think, Justin, you said it last week where we talked about these issues. This is Saturnine setting up fairy magic to trick Arako in order to win. And there's even a point yeah. in one of these issues where they're like, what is she doing right now? What what side is she on? What is the game that she's playing? But it ultimately becomes clear when Gorgon ends up fighting and ties up the score so it gets to a la- Annihilation versus Apocalypse. 
That was the whole point of what Saturday Nine was doing. She was getting it to this point of whatever is next to even up the score. Um, so I I am still very much on board with this. I understand the frustration with the lack of sword fights that are happening in X of Swords. <laughs> but we got three issues left here. And I think this story has been so fascinating on its own, both from a writing and an art perspective, that I'm still very much enjoying it personally. Yeah, and the 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 cable issue that we didn't talk about, like the art's great, and there's some great emotional moments here with uh, Cable, and then later Gorgon um, that are like super sad, and um, I thought really well done uh, across the board. Okay, so uh, first off, I wanted to kind of start with some positives. Uh, the X Force uh, cover uh, with Wolverine is just absolutely gorgeous. Fantastic, really cool and well done. Um, also, Ileana is just really great in this kind of first thing um, where she's kind of fighting, which is good. I don't want to see her solving puzzles. I want to see her fighting and the douche action uh, noise. I really appreciate it. Kind of sums up how I feel about this whole thing. But um, I, um, I, it kind of what we're all thinking kind of happens at the end of this, where it's like, yes, this is all leading to these exes fighting each other, uh, you know, but it was also very up upsetting to kind of see these characters. We know are better lose these battles that are kind of set up. So they are going to lose. And it's very, very frustrating. And the whole sit down with, uh, Thanos and Wolverine and in front of a mirror being like whoever blinks loses. I was really I fucking love that. pissed I that, that Wolverine love lost that. that. But that also was, it, moved. It, wait, hold on. Can I just mention what happens in this? Can I just I finish what I'm so- saying? I had like two more words uh, left. Go ahead. Finish your two more words. I was moved that he lost, but also pissed, and it was just so beautiful the way they drew it. So go ahead. Yes, that was more than two words. But well, uh, I, yeah, I agree with you. I think that we're getting moments like that in the middle where Wolverine and his enemy have to look at the matter, a mirror and see everybody they've ever killed. And Wolverine holds steady but cries and loses. Uh, great. Just uh, the, yes. the individual moments in here are so good. Real quick, though, was that Wolverine or was that Lobo who was sitting there crying? You're such a douche. You're <laughs> a, a, awful, Maybe Wolverine you're was crying because he was seeing a pic- He was seeing a picture of a Lobo comic. He was like, what the fuck is this guy? He looks just like me. Uh, but he's uh, in space. Uh, also, also, Storm I- is just... Just so fantastic in this book. Great storm, great storm event, great Ileana event. Uh, Wolverine, they've basically been throwing in the wood chipper every issue, which I understand is probably part of the reason that you haven't loved this. Seeing Wolverine lose a fashion battle is very funny, but I I understand for a fan that's not a big thing. Um, I'm really curious and excited to see what's going to happen next week, particularly because the last issue is called X of Swords Destruction. Uh, and yeah. we've gone from, what is it? The first one was Genesis. The middle one was Stasis. And the last one is Destruction. That doesn't spell good things for what's going to happen to the X-Men going forward. Um, we know that Jean Grey and Scott are about to get into the mix here because they're going after Cable. Uh, this is great. I, I'm I'm excited about it, even if you are not. Cool. I, too, am excited, even if you are not, Pete. Great. 
<laughs> if you'd like to support our podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night to Crowdcast and YouTube. Uh, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about comic books. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show. Leave us a comment on iTunes in particular. We love those little comments. They're always fun to hear, particularly if they're positive comments. We like this a little better. I'm just going to say. Oh, man. At Comic Book Live <laughs> on Twitter. ComicBookLive.com for this podcast and many more. Uh, until next time, we'll see you at the Virtual Comic Book Shop. Stay virtual, baby. Every Tuesday night, yeah, yeah, yeah. Once a week, that blows your mind.